And now, ladies and gentlemen, Skywalker. Thank you, Jim Davis, and thanks for tuning in to Radio Memories here on February 16th, 2022. We've got such a great show. And of course, Radio Memories sponsored by our good friends, the pros at Audio Girl Productions. Devastatingly effective for all your production needs, whether it be jingles, voiceovers, all multimedia. Does everybody know what that means? <laughs> they are the best in the business, and please check them out at audiogirlproductions.com. And what a great show we have lined up for you today. World-famous Tom Murphy, a true radio legend. He has worked at some of the biggest radio stations in the country with the biggest radio legends. And I am so proud to have him on the show today. And he is going to share his radio memories. From his beautiful home in Granada Hills, California, the world famous Tom Murphy. And what a pleasure. Thank you for joining us today, Tom. It is, it is so great to have you on Radio Memories. Thanks for being on the show. Well, I would point out you said it was a pleasure. We haven't done anything yet. Why don't you wait a little while and see whether it ends up being a pleasure? <laughs> you know, I, I first got to know you when I was 14 years old at KGIL when you first arrived at that radio station. And you have been nothing but funny and amusing ever since. And and when I got to work with you at Clear Channel later in years, oh, my goodness, always just the funniest guy in the room and why don't you start off with telling us where it began? I was going to do the old uh, Ted Baxter bit. It all started in the 5,000-watt radio station. Carrier current station in the kids' basement in Portland, which is actually the truth. That was where it all began, but uh, yeah. oh. that probably won't fly these days. Nobody knows what carrier currents are. No. Know? But anyway, it did start in Portland. Uh, just a quick aside. I was uh, back in L.A., and we were doing some function out at Bush Gardens, and Gary Owens came by, and he said, Phil Boyer. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. I went to high school with Phil Boyer and started in radio with him. Well, it turned out that Phil Boyer was the program director for the ABC O&Os, and uh, they did the gong show, and he put Gary on the evening gong show. And uh, so that was his connection with uh, my old high school buddy, Phil Boyer. Then uh, later on, of course, Chuck Barris, uh, you know, took Gary off of it, and he started doing the daily show and the evening show. And uh, Gary and I were visiting one time, and he said he wanted to give Chuck Barris a prostate massage with a 357 Magnum, which Phil <laughs> did better than me, obviously, when he was the O&O <laughs> program director of all the ABC stations. I did the, uh, the little carrier current thing, uh, you know, my senior uh, year in high school. Then uh, Phil got a part-time job at a, at, a real, at a real station. Then he got me in there, and uh, that was in 1958, and I was there until uh, sometime early in 59. And Kissin' Radio had uh, bought a local station, and uh, they were on the air May 1st, and they needed a weekend guy. And I uh, was able to actually, with Phil's help, to put together a really good air check or a demo tape. And uh, so I got the weekend shift, and about three weeks into that, they fired a couple of guys, and 
well, who will we get to replace this guy? What about uh, Murray? <laughs> Which is kind of an inside joke. <laughs> so I got the full-time job, and I ended up there for five and a half years at Kissin in Portland, which was which was a big station there in, in Portland. They they were really really very successful. Don Burden owned them, and some some radio uh, folks yeah, that will was probably like the, recognize that, was, that name. That was like the number one station, right? Oh, huge! Yeah, we we were. You know, I had 40 and 45 shares at night, you know, so we were... You're like the superstars. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kissin', Kissin' Click. Well, the thing about Kissin' was uh, Don Burden had stolen everything from Todd Storrs and Gordon McClendon. So, of course, we had the best of all worlds. And uh, well, everybody the only was other stealing. station in town at that time was KGW, and they were... They were doing top 40. They had some good talent there, including Red Robinson, who's kind of a legend, you know, up in Canada. Right. And... Uh, Kissing was just overwhelming. First of all, you know, we sounded good. We had a really good staff, and it didn't take any time at all for Kissing to uh, yeah, be number you, one. And when you think about for years, you know? when you think about numbers like that, everybody is listening in the in the entire market. Yeah, and when you were working with the real Don Steele, and 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 the two of you were the big stars, what was that like? Well, it was great. You know, I mean, first of all, Kissin was so big that there was uh, nothing to hardly anything that, that ever compared to it, at least in those days. And, of course, I loved Don. You know, we, he, he was the PD and we got along fine. He told me one time, he said, Burden told me when I went in, he said, get along with Tiger Tom and you got it made. You know, so when Don said, hi, baby. <laughs> <laughs> that was about all it took to get along with Tiger Tom. <laughs> but, and, and, uh, Don and, was, uh, first of all, Don was, of course, very colorful and, and you know, goofy and stuff. But he was an extremely smart man. Very yeah. bright. Yeah. He would, I, I told Sean one time, we, well, I told Gracie this uh, before. I said, you know, it's amazing to me, you know, now, we can Gracie, go into a room, Now, Don now Gracie said, was uh, uh, Don's first wife. I don't know that they ever married. I think they did. And, and just kind of a, a situation was her husband was murdered. He was a bartender at an elf club in Yakima, and some guy came in and robbed him and stabbed him, and he bled to death, which is not to, you know, to be macabre here. I don't mean that. Yeah. But he had uh, Elk's life insurance, and so he got double indemnity, which meant that that was untaxable uh, income. And so, uh, you know, they, they didn't get married. They might as well have been, but uh, there, there was all that money involved, you know, which didn't kind of sounds cheesy, but it really wasn't when you realized, you know, what was going on. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, Anyway, uh, she 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 and my wife got along great. You know, Connie loved her, and uh, I did. You know, everybody liked Gracie. She was she was terrific. And Sean too. My God, Sean McNamara. You know, Sean Steele. She, oh, Sean. I, I always thought you know Beautiful. Don got real lucky with wives. He got two winners. Don was just so smart, and so uh, he was just kind of like a force of nature. You know, like you just you'd be with Don and. And everything was, uh, you know, and he was awfully funny. I remember we were in L.A., Connie and me, and visiting with Ian Gracie, and uh, we were going somewhere. And uh, I said, so I said, what's new? He said, what do you mean, baby? <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> how you doing? He, he said, I got it figured out. He said, what? Every month, 3,000 people are sick of me in L.A., and they move out. But a new 3,000 people move in, and they like me. <laughs> so he figured about every month there was a complete change of 3,000 people who'd worn out and who had never met the real Don Steele. You know, so. And I said, what are you doing? He said, it's, I said, is it that same old shit like, uh, you know, 
tumultuous Tuesday and one terrific Wednesday. I said, yeah, baby, why not? Breakfast <laughs> so, <laughs> Friday. Uh, <laughs> but Don had it figured out. He, he, hey, there was hey. one pulse, I think, in 62, if I recall, that between 9 and 9.30 at night, I had 58, a 58 share. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, can you imagine that? A 58 share in nowadays? Oh, yeah, my well, Lord. No, but I always maintained that the only truly accurate Rating service was, of course, Pulse, because I got the 58 on Pulse. <laughs> Everywhere you went, you were a star. People recognized you. People knew oh, who yeah. you were. Yeah. They asked for your autograph. So when you had numbers like that, people had to have been coming up to you all the time. Well, we were a window operation. So, of course, you know, night after night, the kids would, you know, come by the window and write notes and stuff. Oh, my God. And the thing was, as I look back on it, not, a, not an altogether bad deal. You know, local TV guys were really no more recognizable than we were. You know, it's a little easier for them. People just, people had to drive by to see us. All they had to do was turn on their TV for the TV guys. But I'm talking about radio stations all across the country. Even if you didn't oh, yeah. have, yeah. you know, that window, you know, that, that, that street corner window. Radio stations across the country were so popular. I, I mean, oh, talk yeah. about numbers like that. And, and oh, my goodness. So, so from Kissin', where do you go from there? Well, what I, I quit Kissin' after five and a half years. I just quit, you know, and uh, I had made some money with dances and stuff, so I thought, you know, I've always wanted to go to L.A., so I'm going to go to no, L.A. Wait, 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 let me ask you a question. Is that where you were Tiger Tom Murphy? Yeah, yeah, that... Uh, yeah. Okay, Lucy, explain. <laughs> explain that. <laughs> well, it, well, we were so involved, especially with the, at night with the kids, you know, with the audiences and those. Well, I mean, they still are today, I suppose, but nobody listens to radio like they did in those days, at least not the ute. Anyway, a girl wrote me a fan letter, and I kind of wished I still had her name because, uh, and she said, uh, hi, Tiger Tom, you just out of the blue. Was it Tina Delgado? No, I don't know who the hell Tina Delgado was. People ask me about that, and Don did that in uh, in Portland, and I never really gave it any thought because to me it just was a drop-in type thing. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Well, who was it really? I don't know. Probably, I don't know whether it was anybody or not. Yeah. But uh, at any rate, that was how the Tiger thing said. We were we were so into the kids. And I said, boy, I kind of like that Tiger Tom. And uh, the next night we had 15 letters, hey, Tiger Tom, and it just kind of stuck. You know, now uh, all these years later, I kind of wished it hadn't, but it's a little late. <laughs> <laughs> She's I'm, I'm very old and I still, hi, Tiger Tom. Good Lord, that was in 1961, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, Larry Lujak had an interesting comment one time. Of course, he and I worked together in Seattle and in Chicago. Right. And uh, he said, I always liked... Like, uh, well, he, he was pointing out, he said, you know, like the real Don Steele, he said, that kind of set him apart, you know, and he said, the world right. famous Tom Murphy, he says, I kind of like that. And uh, later on, some girl wrote and said, you know, I think you're a super jock. And so he glommed onto that. So he became super jock, but it, right. it was like a, right. but uh, other people, uh, I mean, Larry Lujak was Larry Lujak. He was just about as good as it got. And he owned Chicago, basically. It was funny when I got there a few years after he got there, uh, because of him, you know, he talked Lou Witz into bringing me into CFL, because Larry was at WCFL at that point. Lou Witz was very, very hesitant at WCFL to go with World Famous. 
Is that and, right? Uh, Larry told him, you know, I said, no, he said, oh, trust me, it works. So then all of a sudden, all the buses had, uh, you know, picture world-famous Tom Murphy and super jock Larry Lujak. That was the morning and afternoon promotion. I got, I got promotion at WCFL like you wouldn't believe. Good Lord, they they knew how to spend the money. And I got to Chicago, and and I told him one time we had dinner, of course, right after we got there. I said, Jesus, I didn't realize how big you were here. He says, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> 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 I'm the king or some shit like that, I remember. But he was really huge. And why not? You know, like he was so different. And, of course, that he who is different can get to be huge unless you're on a three-and-a-half-watt uh, carrier current. And it uh, doesn't matter. Well, the oh, funny thing is I still get email and, and, and uh, you know, and, from people. And, and now it's just gotten down to world. You know, hey, world, what's up? You know, like, it's world famous, not just world. <laughs> Well, I, I remember us always calling you World. Well, I wanted to be called Your Holiness, but nobody would do it, so I went ahead and settled for World, you know. Yeah, well, I remember at, at KGIL, when you first arrived, uh, we addressed you as World. Well, I remember one of the ads. They had uh, myself and uh, Francis Gary Powers right. and then Tom Brown, the, the three of us, with sketches. Right. And it was like world famous Tom Murphy with a little asterisk. And underneath it said, he really thinks he's world famous, but otherwise he seems okay. <laughs> which, <I> thought, <laughs> which was my idea. I told him to do that, you know. So yeah. that was uh, that was kind of funny, I guess. But All of you guys, in your own respect, are all so huge. All of you are amazing. Well, it, was, it was a great time. As, as you progress and, and, and you move on. Yeah, well, I, I, I was at WCFL for like two years, and then I uh, had an opportunity to go over to WMAQ, which, oddly enough, was basically comprised of all of the guys who had been on WCFL uh, kind of like in round one, you know, with Ken Draper in, in 67 and 68. So uh, I, I jumped at that because uh, it was it was NBC and, uh, you know, a little more money and do an afternoon so I could sleep in, which was my favorite shift anyway. Now, MAQ. Uh, Jerry G. Bishop and Joel Sebastian and. Uh, MAQ is a powerhouse, right? Oh, yeah, it was 50,000 watts clear channel, yeah. What we were doing actually became Hot AC. Jim uh, Stagg was the one that was kind of programming it and putting it together. And we were not Hot AC because R&R hadn't invented Hot AC yet. We had, but R&R hadn't. You know, so. Right. But uh, then they decided to, to go country, and they let the whole crew go. So that was and kind of a what, sad day for all based, of us. You know. Why did they oh, make that decision? Well, again, uh, there, was a, there was a research company that uh, became the research group, but at the time they were called Magid. <laughs> Magid Research, but that was who they were. And they had corralled uh, four or five people who were out of work from some street corner and put them in and... Uh, their idea always was to try to find something that nobody else was doing. And, of course, my opinion of that was there may be a reason why nobody else is doing it. <laughs> and uh, so they decided that nobody was uh, a combination of country and pop, which, of course, uh, Charlie Warner came in as the, as the, these are names that don't mean anything, but it helps me remember. Uh, yeah, came but, in as the new general manager, and, and, and we and, had a little quick meeting. He says, my God, he said, we're playing music to piss everybody off. <laughs> 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 I always had a soft spot in my heart for old Charlie for that one. 
So uh, we kind of got off of that, and Jim Stagg had us really doing pretty well. And uh, then they decided to go country with it, uh, which made sense in a way. It was a big clear channel down on 67, you know. So, yeah, but did it make sense? You know, I, I do I do know it wasn't too long after that that they ended up going talk, talk news talk. Right, you know, so. right. No, well, Lee Sherwood was the, uh, was the PD, and he's been kind of around, you know, in Miami and different places. And J.J. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffries uh, had worked with him one time, and they always referred to him as the 8x10 Glossy, which I thought was kind of funny. Well, I, 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 you know, I not only worked with, uh, I worked for J.J. Jeffrey. Uh, now, is this the same one who... Uh, who, who owned the stations? Yeah, Bob Fuller okay, so and that J- was then that was the WLS JJ Jeffrey, right? Correct. Oh, okay, yeah, he's a neat guy. I didn't really know him all that well, but uh, oh, I I knew him really we, well. Uh, Cross paths, I liked him, you know. Yeah, I knew him really well, and and uh, I worked for him. I did mornings for him in Sacramento. He did afternoon drive. <laughs> which did he own the thing? Yeah, he and yeah, Bob, okay, yeah, they uh, he Bob, had a partner, Bob, Bob Fuller. Bob Fuller, uh, it was a Fuller-Jeffrey group uh, station. Oh, okay. Small uh, world, J.J. Jeffries. I met, uh, I, I had occasion when Connie and I and my daughter, who was little then, uh, we left uh, Seattle to come to Chicago to go on WCFL. And it turned out that Dick Saint was already there at, at LS, and he was having a New Year's party. And so uh, we went to the New Year's party, and of course it was all the WLS people. So I met everybody on the staff of WLS before I'd ever met anyone from CFL. <laughs> so, yeah, he was a good guy. I remember he smoked uh, with a cigarette holder. We all thought that was kind of, uh, you know, uh, to ask him about that. <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. <laughs> it might have been smart. I'm sitting there smoking unfiltered Luckies, and he's got you know, Virginia Slims and a cigarette holder. So you, you tell me. <laughs> How do you get called to L.A.? Dick Saint. He was the PD at KRLA. And uh, he wanted me to, uh, well, he and I worked together in Portland at Kissin, And we had stayed friendly. And, uh, and uh, I had always wanted to come to L.A. And uh, I had the, you know, the KHJ uh, disappointment, which, uh, you know, I by that time had gotten over <laughs> after five and a half years at KJR, yeah. which was... Uh, but anyway, I, I figured if, if I was going to get to L.A., I, I had a shot with Dick, and I'd better take it. So I did, and uh, it didn't work out very well. I, I had been kind of lucky. I'd had five and a half years at Kissin and five and a half years at KJR. So in 11 years in radio, I'd had two jobs, which was rather yep. you know, rather unusual, I guess. Kissin uh, and KJR were both... Uh, you know, were, were good stations. Kissin uh, was a little, uh, you know, crazy as far as the management went, but uh, but it was pretty stable as far as I was concerned. And then the KJR, they were very stable. And then I got to KRLA, and God, that was a snake pit. Jeez. So, uh, but we had a great engineer on the overnighter, Jack Hennessy. I can remember him, and and he would direct you. You know, like you'd be doing a bit and going along, and he keep going, you know, say, keep going, keep going. Then he'd hold up his hand. Oh, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) He was probably right. (laughs) Maybe I I should have remembered that uh, in later years when uh, it might not have been a bad idea to stop when uh, Jack (laughs) Hennessy suggested. (laughs) Yeah, but KRLA was, uh, you know, it was really unpleasant. Then I went back to Seattle and there there were contract problems between KJR and me and I had an offer to do, go to KOL, so I went to that. Plus, I, I realized that uh, KOL was, was 
owned by Buckley, you know, who owned KGIL. So, of course, in the back of my mind was at some point, maybe I can transfer back to L.A. and get on KGIL, which I did. But I had to have uh, three years in Chicago and a year in Cleveland before that worked out. (laughs) Do you know who Craig Hines is? You remember him? Oh, yeah. I remember Craig. Yeah. Craig Hines uh, was the one who recommended to KGIL that they bring me out to do mornings. And I can't. I don't really quite understand that because I barely knew Craig. You know, he was, he, he like was a listener of mine at KRLA and wrote me a nice letter and was in radio in Nernman, California or something. But anyway, uh, he was the one that kind of started that ball rolling. But the KGIL people knew me from KOL because it was the sister station. But uh, I was at KGL uh, about almost a year and uh, they wanted to bring Dick Whittington back, which certainly made sense. And I liked him. He was really fun to be around. And they moved me into the middays, and they wanted to bring Larry Van Eyes back, uh, which also made sense, although I'm not quite sure that the return of either one of them uh, made that much difference. I, I think they pretty much stayed about the same, which was fine. You know, they were making money, and they had people that they liked. But uh, I was able to land on KISS, and I did some weekends on KISS AM, and then uh, Rochelle Staub uh, wanted me. Well, they, they finally separated. They, they were totally separated except in the morning for the, from the simulcast. So their morning show was still... Uh, uh, was it Charlie Tuna? No, no. Tuna was gone by then. There was Bruce Philip Miller who was doing the, uh, the mornings on KISS FM, and they were simulcasting it through uh, the AM. Then they finally wanted to separate it, so Jerry Bishop, went on the went out of afternoons and into uh, mornings and i think larry mckay went into the afternoons on the am and, uh, and then i went on the fm and did the morning show there and uh then uh, that was great until disco john bayless kent burkhart conned uh, john bayless into going disco with uh, kiss uh, which was a disaster I, uh, that's when kiss fm went completely all disco Yes, yes, exactly, yeah. And, and, uh, and they completely lost their audience. Everything, you know, yeah, this just was a disaster. Then they brought in Don Benson, and uh, Don Benson I liked a lot. He was a real smart guy, and he, and he took them off disco and kind of got them back, you know, back uh, on, online. But uh, he wanted me to come back on the FM. He was kind of talking about maybe me doing afternoons. And, uh, but they had Mike Wagner, who was good. You know, no reason to take him out of there. I just ended up staying on the AM, which, I don't know, probably wasn't the greatest move I ever made, but the money was good, so what the hell. It was an after station. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Well, which was good because uh, my son was born with heart defects, and we had after insurance, and which was great at that time. So, uh, yeah. boy, that, uh, that was why I stayed through religion and through all kinds of, uh, you know, you know to, yeah, the, yeah. AM, the AM had changed through so many different formats. Oh, I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were kind of a, sort of a half baked semi hot AC, I guess at one point there. And of course, by that time, Kiss FM was just pounding the hits. We were on the Bar- Bartell format, which was every 90 minutes you turn the music. Rochelle Staub was a Bart was a Bartell onion and, uh, and what I didn't do was great for L.A. because your audience changes so quick. You know, it's not so good when you're rotating the music that tight in, uh, you know, in a small town in the Midwest. You know, playing the same shit over and over. But in L.A., they didn't know. <laughs> they right. didn't right. know that we'd played, uh, you know, you light up my life a half hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. God, Rochelle loved you light up my life. We had to play that every half hour when it first came out. Oh, and I mean, goodness. I liked it all right. 
for about the fourth or fifth time, then all of a sudden it was starting to give me worms, you know, so I didn't. Uh... <laughs> oh, God, that song just drove me crazy after a while. Oh, it drove everybody crazy. I think it, Debbie Boone probably wishes to hell she hadn't recorded it either, you know. <laughs> Isn't it funny how something like that will be so big and then it just turns to shit? So. Uh, another one of those crazy songs back then is Having My Baby. I'll, I must tell you a Larry Lujak bit. You know, of course, you know, Larry and I go way back to KJ are in the 60s but anyway he had paul anka on his show <laughs> says paul you know you, you know why your song was so big and so popular well, why larry <laughs> you know, poor paul didn't know he was gonna <laughs> get eaten alive he said because it's short it's only two minutes and 20 seconds and we need that song to get into the news on time <laughs> <laughs> He did a he did a bit that a friend of mine uh, that I worked with at CFL heard him do, and they had fired Art Roberts. So you know the name Art Roberts, oh, yeah. of course. You know? yeah, yeah. And uh, he'd been doing middays at WLS, and for some reason they got rid of him. I mean, kind of dumb why they because he probably went back there two or three more times, you know, over the years. But anyway, Larry's talking about. It. He said, "Wow," he said, "Boy, they let Art Roberts is gone. Just boom, he's just not here. They let him go." But that's kind of too bad. He said, although actually the upside of it is now that art's gone, I move up on the vacation list. <laughs> <laughs> There's always an upswing. <laughs> God, he just, Larry could really, uh, you know, he, he, he was the best. Yeah. Yeah. He well, said, I, I, I guess he was having a big dispute with Paul Abrams, who I guess was a, kind of a piece of work, you know, and Mike McCormick too. And uh, Larry, Larry had done something, and he said, "Whoa!" He was looking out the window, and of course, uh, you know, in the in the entryway, you could see from the studio. You know, uh, Larry says, "Wow!" He said, uh, "Paul Abrams, I think, wants to talk to me about something I just did." He said, "But the rule is, as long as the on the air light is on, he can't come in." So he said, "I'm just going to keep the on the air light on." <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many people realized what an on-the-air light was, but it was enough, you know. So apparently Paul finally threw in the towel, you know, and went back to the office, and <laughs> I'll get to him later, you know. <laughs> That's uh, a great story. Isn't that a wonderful story? <laughs> yeah, you know, the, yeah. He, just, story. he just left the damn light on, you know. I don't know whether he was still talking. Probably knowing Larry, you know, God knows he could have, you know, talked that long. That's hilarious. <laughs> as long as the on-the-air light was on, Paul couldn't come in and fuck with him. Right, you know? <laughs> right. And, and that used to be, you know, that that was the rule. You know, you, when, when the oh, on-the-air yeah. light was, you couldn't, yeah. you, you didn't go into the studio, so... You didn't. It didn't matter who it was. If they were on the outside and not on the air light was on, they were going to stay on the outside. You know. Yeah. Knowing and working with Larry both times that I did was uh, was uh, it was just great. He was just fun. You know. We we used to do a uh, well. I did nine to midnight. He did six to nine on Jr. And then we used to do homework Hall of Fame, which was some pad of day, you know, wet dream that he dreamed up. Although it actually worked pretty good. So I'd take down the questions and then. Uh, I'd go on the air and give the questions to Larry, and then he'd get on the phone and get the answers. And it was really pretty clever. And at the time, we always we always got some really good stuff because uh, it was kind of before AOR. And so all of the kids at University of Washington were listening to KJR. So we'd get, we'd get a lot of the uh, 
We did have one little incident that uh, that I caught on to. Actually, Larry did uh, shortly thereafter. But somebody wanted the formula for lysergic acid diethylamide, which of course was LSD. <laughs> 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 so I was telling that to the L.A. radio group here one time, and they all got kind of a kick out of that story. I said, you knew damn well that you know, some chem major out at the University of Washington was mixing that crap up in the bathtub, you know, like the, <laughs> yeah. bathtub LSD, you know. <laughs> don't you miss that about radio today? I mean, I don't listen. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a weenie here, but no. I, uh, I, well, yeah, in the morning, I just, I just don't listen to morning radio. But you're simply not alone. Nobody is listening to radio. Terrestrial radio is, and and just, all you have to do is look at the numbers. The numbers are yeah embarrassing. Yeah. I don't even know if they're doing it in the car anymore because you can get an all you can get stuff off the satellite in the car too. You know, so well, not only satellite, but you can get any kind of digital media. But there are no yeah, the podcasts are uh, really you know. I'm too damn lazy to bother with one, but... Uh, but and, and Tom, when is it that you hung up your headphones? Oh, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the only person that called was you, and you weren't going to offer me a gig, so I said they owed it. <laughs> I guess probably uh, the last, you know, for, you know, sort of a full radio I did was for Real Oldies in Chicago. And I think that was like, if I recall, you know, like, 2012 or something i think it was it was really it was really very good because tommy edwards really had the format down pretty well and uh, they had a real sharp guy doing the music and and i would go to burbank you know and they even they had so many studios there in the complex that they just kind of made me a little studio of my own and set all my you know compression pardon me settings and everything right but it was uh it really sounded good and and how long yeah. did how long did you do that? A couple of years, as I recall. And they uh, they paid pretty well, you know, big money, but it wasn't big effort either, you know. So, uh, But uh, John Guerin, uh, uh, it, it was kind of sad in a way because they, they made real oldies. It was one of those extended AM things. Remember when the FCC kind of, you know, lengthened the, uh, the AM dial? Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first hour of Tommy and Larry was was being drowned out by a more powerful uh, extended uh, place in Atlanta. And then uh, then our signal, we were big uh, with the uh, South uh, Chicago, which was kind of WVON ter- territory. And uh, so it just it was it was it was really there was a, there was a book that came out about us, and uh, one of the guys said, "Never has so much been done by so few." For so little, <laughs> meaning Larry and me and Scotty Brink and you know and, and some of the rest of them. Yeah, yeah. Tommy and, and Tommy and, and Larry were funny in the morning. You know, I used to listen to them because, yeah. of course, you could get them online too. Yeah. we had much more. We we had more audience like in South Korea and you know in Holland and, and places like that. You know, where you know, I used to have my I used to have a fan club in the Netherlands or some shit. <laughs> Yeah, never had that on KJR. You know? <laughs> but it was it was a fun station, and and it was easy to do because you got to voice track it. All you had to do was drive to Burbank. Yeah, well, they had the profit system, which uh, right. was something that Clear Channel had uh, dreamed up. I never uh, quite uh, 
I may have been on the profit system, but I wasn't making a big profit. Uh, so uh. <laughs> none of us were. I was voice tracking in the studio next to you at the time. And yeah, well, you know, and, and we all appreciated your efforts. I have no idea why, but we do. You know, <laughs> it, it, it comes up sometimes at dinners there at Morton's. You know, <laughs> you can piss away a couple of hundred bucks real quick there, can't oh, yeah. you? Oh yeah. <laughs> Good lord, yeah. But uh, we had we had some uh, funny conversations as we were uh, voice tracking our, you know, respective uh, radio stations. But uh, I know you were having a fun time in Chicago uh, voice tracking there. Oh, yeah. Well, what was funny was, you know, I'd, uh, you know, I'd see the weather or something, you know, because I only did a couple of days ahead. So I could really be pretty topical. You know, I didn't do like a, like a whole week, you know, on Monday or something, right. mostly because I wasn't busy. And, and, you know, I wanted it to kind of sound good. And it was, I enjoyed seeing the folks there and stuff. But, but it was always funny, you know, I'd, you know, well, another four inches of snow fell last night in Skokie, you know, which was, that was, that was anti-Semitic because that was where all the Jewish people were. So somehow they, they ended up with four feet of snow in the assholes in the loop, you know, got an inch, you know. But, uh, but uh, it was always funny because, you know, I'd look, I'd come in there, you know, it'd be 80 degrees here, you know, and I'd be talking about, you know, a big blizzard hitting, you know, hitting Chicago. It, but uh, it, I, we loved Chicago. We'd have stayed there. I, I've often said I'd have stayed at MAQ until hell froze over if I could have, because it was <laughs> it was the you know, only way they'll get me out of here is in a pine box. Or if Jack Thayer comes in and changes it to country. Those were the two options. You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you had such a wonderful career, and it's just uh, it's been such a pleasure knowing you, and I've known you for such a long time. And and um, I appreciate you being on Radio Memories. Thank you for your time. Um, oh, I, was that it? <laughs> we run out of a tape. <laughs> the, the real you couldn't get an hour real. What's wrong with you? The real to real is coming to an end. <laughs> well, anyway, it was it was great fun. I don't uh, pay a whole lot of attention to my stories, mostly because I kind of wing them, you know. But uh, I hope that you know. There, there, there were a few laughs along the way here. Always, always one of my favorite disc jockeys. And, and I thought you were wonderful when you came to KGIL. And uh, it, it's always been a pleasure. You're, I love your stories. You're, you're very, very demonstrative, very uh, animated, and very amusing. And, and, Tom, I hope you're enjoying your retirement. Well, uh, yeah, I don't do much. You know, th this will be the highlight of February, and I'm only two days in. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you're enjoying uh, your life. And uh, Well, thank you. That's nice. I, I've been... Uh... You know, there have been some times that weren't a lot of laughs, but overall, uh, I had a pretty good run, all things considered. You know, I started in 59, and I lasted into the 2000s, so that's not too bad, is it? And damn good. The world-famous <laughs> Tom Murphy. Tom, take care of yourself. And I, well, yes. <laughs> that's my prime job now, you know, <laughs> nothing else. Oh, I occasionally go off the deep end and order in a batch of Kentucky Fried, but what the hell, you know. <laughs> As always, leave them laughing. Thank you, world-famous Tom Murphy, for your time. And coming up on the next Radio Memories, another radio legend. We've got Damien coming up on March 2nd, 2022. L.A. radio rock legend Damien is going to be joining us. And he's going to be sharing his 
Radio Memories. Check out past interviews on the Radio Memories YouTube channel and on Spotify. Click the links. This is Maggie McKay for Radio Memories, a Dave Schuyler production. Radio Memories.